Happy weekend day, everybody. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today reading 2 Timothy chapter 2 in the NLT. Before I pray, you know, I was kind of like getting really upset the last couple of weeks, I think, about my church membership dwindling down. Like, I was really kind of being bothered by this, just to see this, and I can't seem to really stop this, you know. You have to call people as part of the nominating committee and ask them if they want to serve, and I basically don't really want to do it. But I just did it because my friend, you know, takes everything on his shoulders and I didn't want to just leave him stranded. Like, why bother do this? But, you know, as I was reading the Bible and thinking about us having a potluck tomorrow and I'm thinking, you know, it's a small bunch of people, but we want to make the church work. You know, and it's getting to be like a, like a, the size of a church plant. Maybe if it's extinction numbers, I don't know. Maybe the church is supposed to go the way of the dinosaur. But why am I getting a, a bothered? Why am I getting upset about everything? Like, this is the way the world is working. And I'm thinking, isn't, is this, isn't this how the first century church was? Like, did anybody really care? Like, Peter, uh, you know, spoke and 3,000 people were baptized in a day. That sounds like a mega church. Is that how most churches are? Most churches are just like a handful of people. Isn't that how the early church was? People who got together, who were core, who really... Um, were for the Lord Jesus Christ who had faith in him and knew that he was the one. Like, I know that the Lord Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God right now. I, I don't have any doubts, you know, and I want I want to elevate him. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. But why, why am I getting upset by this? I guess it just seems like work is ramping up with responsibility. Church seems to be, you know, less and less people, more responsibility. You know, even in the gym, I think I'm pushing harder I've ever pushed. I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not eating all the animal protein. Um, just eating more carbs, less animal protein. You know, eyes are tired, but it's like you can't. There's no rest really in this world. Like the 30-year-old guys, according to the YouTube, are not stepping up anymore. They're not stepping up like in previous generations. They're tired. They they have been. I don't know. Put down, disrespected. Mark Driscoll used to say, society's not for, for the up-and-coming youth anymore, not for the men, right? They're dropping out of university. I see this kid coming to the gym. He's like, he can't be over 20. A young, she's trying to train himself, kind of flubbing around doing exercises. You know, I'm thinking, is that like a young Arnold? You know, that's how Arnold, well, Arnold was. He went to the gym and the older guys trained him, right? That's where he got his knowledge from. There's no way I'm going to step up to a kid and say, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so and, and, you know, I'll take you, I'll help you do some exercises. I'm not going to do that. I don't know him. And I don't think it would be taken in a good way because these days you can't trust anybody. You don't know what the intentions are of people who, who who are nice to you. If people are nice to you, if they, you know, they're nice or they, they give you gifts or something, you can't really know if it's fake nice. You really don't know anymore because there's always a string attached. You know, and, and I'm certainly not going to do that. I got friends in the gym. I go to the gym. I talk to my buds afterwards. Then I go get a coffee, go home and get to work, you know, work from home for the company that I, I'm employed with. There's no way I'm going to do that because it might be taken in the wrong and and bad light. Because it's just, there's so much shadows in this world. You can't trust anybody anymore. You know what I mean? It's hard to love. It's, it's hard to relax. It's hard to be vulnerable with another human being. I think so anyways. Maybe I'm a Sigma male and I have trust issues. I am a Sigma male. I believe I'm a Sigma male and I do have trust issues. 
And I think that this is end times, personally. It said, love shall wax cold. You really don't know when people are being nice to you. What do you want? It's always, there's always a string, and it's always something negative. This lady wanted to, to um, we would go to this restaurant. She wanted to give uh, my kids gifts. It's like, why? What are you trying to do here? Are you trying to obligate me to you? Like, I'm sorry. It's a nice gesture and maybe would have been taken well in the 50s. I, I didn't go back there again. I was scared. I don't know, like, why are you doing that? What is it that you want? You don't know me. You don't hardly know my kids. She didn't meet my son. You know, when you go to breakfast on Sunday mornings, it's like, I, I don't, I'm afraid. I, I don't know what, what the end goal of your gift giving is. We just live in very precarious, perilous times. Just what the Bible says. I think that's going to be the next chapter of Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. But this is 2 Timothy chapter 2. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much. Help us, Lord, to read your word. Help us to put our trust in you. Um, I would hate for others to have a suspicious mind. And maybe I'm an overthinking person. But we have to be wise. We have to be savvy. We have to, you know, almost we have to out-strategize and, and think, out-think our enemy, which is the evil one because he's trying to destroy us as your people. Help us not to be entitled, egotistical, narcissistical, uh, but help us to be kind, meek, and humble, but also help us to be savvy. Help us to be as harmless as doves, but as cunning as a wolf. Not a wolf in sheep's clothing, Lord, but a sheep that has the intelligence of a wolf and can outthink the other wolves who are wolves in sheep's clothing. For there are many fake Christians, even in the church. But I pray for my own church. I pray for people if they're in churches that are shrinking. I pray as more responsibility come, is heaped on their shoulders that they may be strengthened by your Holy Spirit. I wish to be strengthened. I don't want to be just a consumer, but also someone who's a contributor and a servant. And I want to be able to have a balance, Lord. Um, you know, not to be able to say yes to everything, to be able to say no. But it seems to me, Lord, that if we don't serve, then who else is going to? Because people just come and leave and go, and they don't seem to care. We do care, and that's why we're reading your word. We want to hear what you have to say to us. We want to be strengthened. We want to be made iron. Iron sharpens iron. Sanctify us. Cleanse us, Lord. Take our hearts. Take the sin out of our hearts and make us pure because I know you're coming, Lord. I know this. In the name of the Christ, I pray and beg and plead. Amen. It says, a good soldier of Christ Jesus. How fitting. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul is saying there's been a confirmation of what I'm teaching. And, you know, this is one of the things that I learned when I went to the Bible study. 1 Corinthians 15 was the earliest creed of the Christian church. And I think I should read it, actually, because I remember being impressed when my Baptist mentor was reading this. He said, this is the earliest creed of the Christian church. It was written very early on, very quickly. And I know that Lee Strobel also mentioned this as well. It says, um, I'll read it in ESV from uh, Dr. MacArthur. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. Then I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day 
in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born. He appeared to also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than anyone, any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Paul was saying his experience, and I'm sure that his experience is yours. You are what you are, and you have been chasing after the Lord through his grace. Don't stop running. It says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for when they cannot please the officer who enlisted, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. We've all been enlisted by Christ our Lord. And athletes cannot win the prize until they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers, farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Always remember that Christ, Jesus Christ, the descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. So I am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. This is God's word we're reading, the NLT. It's a paraphrase, I know. It's not the Greek and the Hebrew. I'll never really know that. But it doesn't matter. God has allowed it to be paraphrased so we can read it and understand it and have fun in it and glorify in it, be sanctified by it. And it will not be changed, chained by Satan. Satan is a defeated God, little g God, and he's going to die in Revelation 20 verses 10. And everybody needs to know that. They need to know who they're working for. And, they, and you need to change sides because he's taking you nowhere. Christ is taking you to eternity, to the, to the right hand of the Father, just like where he's sitting. Christ our Lord, a man who walked on earth 2,000 years ago, who died on a cross, who rose from the dead, according to a guy, a Pharisee, who was killing other people, who became one of the greatest Christian writers, greatest apologists, apologetics for Christianity. He said that Christ is alive, and he will make you alive too. This is a trustworthy saying, if we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him as he, as if we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. I do remember a pastor saying that if he, it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. And at first glance, we might interpret that as, okay, we can be unfaithful, we can forget about Jesus, but he will remain faithful and save us. And th that sounds and that sounds good. Maybe God is working. If you've kind of hit a valley and you're in a valley right now, God is still working in you to sort of bring you back. But I remember him also saying, you know, God is faithful. And if we are unfaithful, which means if we are unfaithful to our cause, God will judge us according to sin.
If we have shown by our life and our presence and our actions, we don't want Christ, then God will judge you that way. I mean, there's a, there's a guy, Charles Templeton, right? And uh, he was a contemporary of Billy Graham. And he said in a book, Jesus was, his, was my best friend. I miss him, which is his way of saying, I don't believe anymore. I don't know what happened to that man at the end of his life. Maybe he recanted that, but that doesn't really sound promising. It sounds like he walked away from the salvation for good. Whether he had it or he never had it, I never, I never worry about the word gymnastics. He had it, he didn't have it. Some people get married and they're not married anymore. Whatever, it's a, it's a marriage. Some people walk away from the marriage. Whether they were really ever married in their hearts, who knows? It's up to, for debate. But it says if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. God must judge us according to his standard. And if his standard is Christ, and we walk away from Christ, we walk away from him, he will judge us that way. Fairly and objectively, but without Christ, I don't think it will be a great outcome. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Second Corinthians, 2 Timothy 2.15, yes, I do remember. Um, one who uh, correctly explains the word of truth. I do remember this verse. I'll do, I remember it in a different way, but I do remember it. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like a, like a disease, as in the case of Hymenius and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection that has already occurred in this way have turned some people away from the faith. Well, these guys had a different opinion. They had a different hermeneutic. And they've said the resurrection has already occurred. Paul says, no, it hasn't happened yet. It's in the future. Personally, I think that's 1 Thessalonians 4.13. I've never believed in a rapture theory from John Darby, although I do respect people who do. And the rapture theory, I have said this, I believe that there is no such thing. I, the, the rapture is at the end of the world. Revelation 1 verse 7, Re, Revelation 19 verse 11. And the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it's all the same event. And even if the rapture did occur, how do you know you got into the first draft? I mean, a man said it my, to me at my church, I've been waiting for 20 years for this. I'm thinking, why have you been waiting for a hermeneutic? Does not, en enter, does not any alternative hermeneutics enter your head? You mean you were just taught one thing when you were young? You were not even able to entertain other options? You wouldn't be good with IT. <laughs> That's for sure. You wouldn't be good with alternative plans and contingency plans. What makes you think you're so good that you're in the first draft? Maybe the rapture already occurred. You think the government's going to tell the world, hey, a bunch of people disappeared? It's either going to be fake news or they're going to cover it up. Why do people have to get out of persecution? I don't want to be in persecution. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through what I saw, pictures of people in the lion's den, like artist drawings of people. I don't want to go through that. I'm scared of that, man. I just sliced my finger with a knife. Uh, just a tiny little slice, but it bled all over the place. I did it by accident. I cut the pack of spaghetti. I had a serrated knife. I said, oh, I'm going to cut this pack of spaghetti. I was holding it up, and I started to cut, and the pain that went through my finger was unbelievable. And all of a sudden, there was like blood all over the... What, what, what? It was like, I cut my finger. I didn't cut the pack of spaghetti. I cut my finger. Man, I, I can't take pain. I'm really a sissy. What makes people think they're going to get out of this? I, I've heard ministers say this. And to me, it's like virtue signaling. Like you're telling people what they want to hear. Yes, I want to hear that too, but that's not 
To me, that's not the truth. You tell people the truth because it's the truth, not because of what people want to hear. I don't think I'd be a good minister because I wouldn't tell people what they'd want to hear. I'm sorry, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I want people to like me, I really do. I don't like to be not liked. You know, I would, I would walk somewhere, I'd see a girl that I like or whatever, or she'd talk to my friends or whatever, and she wouldn't even talk to me, and I'd say, why doesn't she like me? Because I'm insecure. I want people to like me. Nobody, does anybody want to be disliked? There are some people who say, I don't care. But does anybody want to be disliked? I don't know anybody like that. I don't know where that verse is about getting your ears tickled. I thought it was in 1 Timothy 4, but I can't find it. I'm sorry, I just don't believe in that. So I guess that's why I'm saying that, because this is what Paul says, that these guys are saying something that he, he believes is not true. And I guess he's the guy who wrote scripture. So I think I'm going to go with his explanation. And he says these other guys, he says these other dudes are saying things that are dis dissension in the church. Like I think sometimes people have a different opinion and people say, okay, you have a different opinion than me. You're the dissenter. I'm the guy who's trying to keep truth. I have never believed that. But it seems to me that there are some people in church who will say things, they have a different opinion, but it's so negative. It's so damning. It's so, it's so almost rude. It seems to me that they don't really care to hear any anything else. And they're actually not even trying to work together and say, okay, I have a different opinion than you. Do you know what I mean? Like there were, you know, things happen in our church, a pastor left and one guy said that he was a pastor's friend and he was attacking people in the church. And it was so like the meetings were so full of contention. And he's trying to overrule people and somebody, somebody got angry and they started standing up. And then he just said, this place is full of Satan and he left and he never came back. And, you know, he was a big guy and I gave him a ride once and I was sorry to see this happen, but it just seemed like you couldn't talk to the man anymore. You know, he just couldn't, you know, he just, that's it. He doesn't come to church anymore. I don't see his kids. His wife was not a believer, so maybe, you know, maybe she just was saying, hey, don't bother with those people anymore. It's kind of sad to see this. Like I came to the Christian church, the New Covenant church, thinking everybody's really super dedicated to, to Christ. I don't think I see that. I'm sorry. But I've been told, don't, don't take it personally and don't look for that in other people. Look for that in yourself. If you're going to look around at the church and see people who are not doing what you think they should be doing, and you're going to judge Christ and the message of the church by what you see, you will be leaving church as well, quickly and soon. That's what a guy said, he was a Baptist. He said he saw people come to church, no Bible, hair not combed, and you know what? He left the church and ended up joining the Hebrew Roots Movement. Now he's got a beard. Studies the Bible, says Father, says Torah. I, I don't disrespect the guy for having a different opinion, but it seemed to me that he judged the he judged the people rather than the message and the veracity of the message. What can I say? In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver and some are made of wood and clay. 
The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. When I was a kid, every day was really great. Then I got older and I got depressed and I got tired and there were failures and there was disappointments and there was bad marks and there was emptiness and loneliness and should I just not remember what it was like to be a child anymore? Should I just, you know, uh, not keep myself good and pure because things didn't work out the way I wanted? Nobody's life will ever work out the way you want it to. What are you going to, is the cup half empty or half full? You know, the guy at the gym, um, the other guy said, I can't understand him. Every time I, you know, before they became friends, now they train together. He says, this guy is always up. What's his secret? What's your secret if you're always up? Are you just really positive? Are you really optimal? Are you not a melancholy person or do you have the Holy Spirit? Some of us may not always be up. Some of us, maybe melancholy is what God's going to use for us to be close to Him. Maybe you have to be alone with some unhappiness in the desert. Maybe that's what God needs you to keep, to keep you pure and next to Him. What's the point in going the way of the world? The world's not going anywhere. It doesn't have anything permanent and it can't guarantee anything. Verse 22, run from anything that st stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Wow. I'm looking forward to potluck tomorrow. I bought some bread, I bought some garlic bread. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to soup. I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to potluck, which we had before the C-Virus. I'm sick of people talking about that thing. It was here, we, we, we beat it by the grace of God. Everybody takes, some people wear masks. God, God, give you, um, God give you peace, that's your choice. It's time to move on and get back. I think more plagues will come our way. But you know what? It's time to forget about what happened. It's time to go forward. It's time for the potlucks. It's time for the people of God, go to church, have a Sunday school, have a sermon. And afterwards, we pray, let's eat. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. This is a family. It's the family of God, not just a denomination. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be, must be kind to everyone. I guess I do quarrel. I guess I get angry and be able to be teach and be patient with difficult people. Well, I guess the Lord has been patient with me. I'm a difficult person. I want to do what is right, but sometimes I get so wrapped around the frustration, I just, I make my own life difficult. Well, better I make my own life difficult than someone else's. <laughs> Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Just like the day of the dove, that episode with Star Trek, that red alien thing who, who, um, 
who grew and fomented negative relationships, the day of the dove. That red thing was the devil. Of course, Mr. Spock, who looks like the pan god, who looks like the devil himself, called out that red thing. We need to call the devil out. He's a manipulator, an accuser, a cunning, slanderer, sly, tiptoeing behind the scenes and turning the people of God against them, each other. You know what? He's doomed. He lost. He's going to be disconnected forever in Revelation 20, verses 8 to 10. He's gone, baby. Bye-bye. You don't have to be.